Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, February 19th. Today we are reading from the big book. We are on page 133 and we're in the first full paragraph. It starts with now about health. Today's readers are Rick, Eddie, Marsha, Paula, and Judy F. The reference number for Monday, February 18th, is 3930. Again, that's 3930. The OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lois to read the 12 steps, please. Hi, Lois. Can you press star one to unmute, please? Sorry. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Uh, the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, excuse me, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I will now ask Marietta to read the 12 Traditions. 
Hi, I'm Marietta, Grateful Recovered, and the 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself on our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire, desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money and property and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, and, excuse me, but film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thank you. This is Marietta. Thank you, Marietta. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 133. We're in the first full paragraph that begins with now about health. And I will ask Rick to begin reading, please. Good morning. My name is Rick. I'm a compulsive overeater. Now about health. A body badly burned by alcohol does not often recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. We who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health, but we have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Hardly one of our crowd now shows any mark of dissipation. Uh, well, good morning, a vision for you. Uh, 
what I see here, they're introducing a little bit of uh, information about health to the family. And the first thing they point out in this paragraph is about the spiritual mode of living being a powerful health restorative. They're going to give credit to doctors and psychologists in the next few paragraphs, but I think it's very interesting that the first thing that they talk about, about being a restorer of health, is a spiritual mode of living. First and foremost is what they're telling us. So those of us who are working this program, we need to know that um, that is the most important thing we have to do to, re to restore our health. And we're talking about uh, bodily health and we're talking about mental health. This spiritual living is, is great. It's the most wonderful thing that we can do to, uh, to, to work on our depression and our bad feelings and, and all those things that go along with our, our disease. It doesn't say that it's the only thing that is going to help restore their bar body. It says uh, it's a most powerful health restorative. It doesn't say it's the only restorative. They're going to give credit to the doctors and the psychiatrists in the next few paragraphs. But I think it's, it's interesting that they, 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 first of all, give credit to the program that they've outlined in the previous pages before they go into um, what the doctors and the psychiatrists can do to us. And uh, with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Rick. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula, go ahead. Thank you. And I will tell you, I was drawn to that same line, and I'm going to scoot right to it. We are convinced, we're convinced that a spiritual mode, and that's a way of living. See, I didn't know that way. I tried all other ways, but this is what it says of living is a most powerful health restorative. It restores your health. But then it says we, so here we gather together, who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health. But that part, a miracle, a supernatural happening, because I'll tell you, it couldn't happen naturally. I needed the super behind it, and that would be the higher power. But we have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Sweetheart, we got a package deal here. The recovery is also a package deal. And may I read from the doctor's opinion XXXI about one year prior to this experience, a man who was brought in to be treated for chronic alcoholism. He had been partially recovered from a gastric hemorrhage and seemed to be in a case of pathological mental deterioration. He had lost everything worthwhile in life and was only living, one might say, to drink. He frankly admitted and believed that for him there was no hope. Following the elimination of alcohol, there was found to be no permanent brain injury. He accepted the plan. May I repeat that? He accepted the plan outlined in this book. One year later, he called to see me, and I experienced a very strange sensation. I knew the man by name and partly recognized his features, but there all resemblance ended. From a trembling, despairing, nervous wreck had emerged 
a man brimming over with self-reliance and contentment. I talked with him for some time, was not able to bring myself to feel that I had known him before. To me, he was a stranger, and so he left me. A long time has passed with no return, no return to alcohol. And there the transformation. There we see the transformation. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Judy B. from Massachusetts. Judy, go ahead. Oh, I love this paragraph. Um, I do have to say that um, this just describes uh, my life. I I was diagnosed with a chronic lung condition uh, over 25 years ago, and I thought my life was over. I mean, I, I had been living a life of overindulgence in food, in exhaustion, in worry, in all of that. And then I found the 12-step program. Honest to God, it has made such a difference in my life. I mean, I, I, thought, that, I thought that I had come to the end. And um, the change, the change of, of, of connecting to my higher power, of meditating every day, of trusting him, with each moment, it has, it has so changed my life, I just cannot explain it to you. And I, you know, they say our past is our greatest asset, and I just, I, I just want to say to anyone who is um, in despair or suffering that it doesn't have to stay that way, that if we take up these 12 steps and we work this program, miracles happen and our lives are restored. I mean... I still have my chronic condition, but I tell you that my my life it has never been better, has never been better. I just, I am happy, joyous, and free, and, and I wouldn't trade my life with anyone. Um, during my 50s and 60s, I worked this program uh, the best I could, and and it made all the difference. And when they say... <clears throat> A spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. It is the truth. It is the truth. It, it literally changes everything. It changes our mind. It changes our body. And um, we, we see remarkable transformations in our body. And uh, it's just, it's a miracle. And the last sentence, hardly one of our crowd now shows any mark of dissipation. And I wasn't sure what that meant and checked it out, and there were so many definitions of dissipation, but it it boiled down to being self-indulgent and just, and binging was one of them. And it just, you know, this paragraph just sums up my life, and I'm so excited about it. It, it, We can be restored. We can be restored to a um, a life uh, that just is, is miraculous, and I I am so grateful for this program and for what it has what it has given me and and many of the people that I love. Uh, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. 
Well, this is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And one of my favorite sentences um, in the big book is this one, a body badly burned by alcohol does not recover overnight, nor do twisted thinking and depression vanish in a twinkling. And, you know, I put food down and have been abstinent since September 9th of 2001, and I've been maintaining a 130-pound weight loss for almost 10 years. And you might ask yourself why I am still here. So why am I still here? I lost the weight. You know, I lost the weight a decade ago, and I've been maintaining that weight for almost a decade. So why am I still here? Because... You know, twisted thinking and depression don't vanish in a twinkling. I'm the type of person that once I was abstinent that first day, I, you know, I would like to have lost that 130 pounds by Friday. I would like to have had my thinking completely changed, you know, maybe by Saturday. I'm the type of person that would like to be teleported through, you know, any kind of feelings. I want things, I want instant results. Yeah, I'm an addict through and through, and I want instant results. And, you know, if if I believe, which I do, that the greater aspect of my disease is in my mind, that's where my real work is. That's where my work takes place. So, you know, what I know today is that I, I have tools that I can use to uh, you know, obviously the steps, I can use the steps, I can work the steps, I can live this program, I can practice these principles in all my affairs to keep that twisted thinking at bay. You know, I can keep that twisted thinking at bay. Um, you know, and call people and make sure that I'm checking things out with people who are recovered before I take any drastic action with anything. You know, if left to my own devices, I'll think up all kinds of crazy stuff. And certainly my thinking has changed drastically since September 9th of 2001, you know, and only because of recovery and only because of, you know, following this, you know, the, the program as it's outlined in the big book, only because of that, only because of that. Um, but it doesn't mean, you know, that I, you know, that I'm still not going to be left to my own devices and start thinking of craziness. At least today what happens is I recognize it. It's like, that's crazy. <laughs> At least I recognize it today. Before, I thought every idea I had was a good one. Now I realize that I have lots of ideas. Some of them might be good ones. Um, and I'm just so grateful that I realized that, you know, this is a lifetime process. It's a lifetime process, and thank goodness, you know, I'm settled in. I'm in for the long haul, God willing, one day at a time, and with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on this paragraph? This is Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. We are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. As was previously stated, you know, they're uh, reminding us here that um, there is a greater aspect to uh, our disease. It goes far more than just the necessity of elimination of some substances. Um, The big book teaches, you know, when the spiritual malady is overcome, spiritual malady is overcome, when the spiritual illness is overcome, we straighten out mentally and physically. So this this disease of ours, of course, is twofold, allergy of the body 
and that certainly had medical consequences related to it because the more I ate, the more obese I got, and the more obese I got, uh, the more my health deteriorated. Uh, however, the greater aspect of my disease is in my mind. All action is born in thought. Uh, that Those brownies, that 9 by 13 didn't just fly off the counter and down my gullet unless I, I yielded to it, unless I invited it in. I made the decision to do that. So uh, the greater aspect of my disease resides in my mind. So what is the answer to my mind is a spiritual solution. And if my mind is in alignment with this program of recovery, I won't make those kind of decisions. So we are convinced that a spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. We who have recovered from serious drinking are miracles of mental health. Again, they're setting a standard here, and they're sending us a message of hope and possibility. These pages were penned by those who had recovered. This is the collective voice and wisdom and experience of people who trudged the road before us. And remember, these alcoholics, these men and women who pen these pages, these were last gaspers. I mean, these were people who uh, were dying uh, due to liver disease. They had lost their families. They were sleeping in gutters. I mean, these were low-bottom cases uh, and they're telling us they had recovered. What does recovered mean? Recovered means that the obsession of the mind, the the uh, the ideas that force out all thoughts to the contrary had been expelled. You know, these men and women recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. That this is possible. There is a place called recovered, and that is possible through the twelve steps. AA's 12 steps are a group of principles, and they are spiritual in nature. Again, stressing spiritual, spiritual in nature, which, when we practice them as a way of life, expel. They drive out the obsession of the mind, the obsession to pick up that first bite and enable the sufferer to become happily and usefully whole. And then it goes on to say, but we have seen remarkable transformations in our bodies. Yeah, when we're not abusing our bodies, lo and behold, they are restored. They improve. The health improves. Hardly one of our crowd now shows any mark of dissipation. Again, this is living proof. This is not just some book that's uh, made up to entertain us every morning at 7 a.m. Eastern time. This is not just some you know, theatrical tricks that these 100 people decided to play on us. This, this is living proof, testimony. These people carry a message of depth and weight. They, they, are, they, are, uh, they are evidence that a spiritual mode of living is a most powerful health restorative. And they do quite a sales job. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Eddie, would you please read the next paragraph? I'm sorry, was there someone else who wanted to share? I'm sorry. I'm uh, second time at this meeting. What page are we on? Oh, yeah, we're on page 133. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And Eddie, would you please read that next paragraph for us? Good morning. This is Eddie, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Virginia. But this does not mean that we disregard human health measures. God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners of various kinds. Do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. Most of them give freely of themselves, 
that their fellows may enjoy sound minds and bodies. Try to remember that though God has wrought miracles among us, we should never belittle a good doctor or psychiatrist. Their services are often indispensable in treating a newcomer and in following his case afterward. Um, this is um, something that I found to be so for myself in my own recovery. Um, I have, um, you know, I was fortunate and blessed enough, I should say, to find um, two other two people to work with me um, uh, because, um, you know, this was not a disease only of my spiritual uh, self, although that was the greater part of it. You know, I also had health issues, and um, I was, through the grace of God, led to, um, when I look back on uh, on my path in those days, um, in 2005, uh, when I started the program, um, I, I can see now that although I didn't connect the dots at first, that they were there and that God had led me through a series of introduced into my life, a series of people uh, that led me to where I needed to be. Um, And one of them was a, was a very good doctor uh, that helped me with my, with the physical aspects of my disease. Um, And another was a a, a psychologist um, who helped me when I, you know, got abstinent and what to do with the rest of the, of the junk in my life. And uh, through through that, um, those two people, and she herself, my psychologist, she was a 12-step person, and she had worked the program for many years and continued to do so, um, and used the 12 steps in her own practice, and pushed me, literally pushed me through the doors of OA. And um, you know, I am grateful so to both of these people, uh, but especially to um, the woman that I worked with. Um, I call her every year on the anniversary of my abstinence. I call her every year to say thank you. She's one of of several people that I call every year to uh, express my thanks and my gratitude for opening up this way of life for me. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a, a disease of body and mind, um, and I still have, um, you know, the chronic conditions that um, were associated with years and years of compulsive eating. Um, you know, I have uh, I have reflux, which limits uh, the amount, the uh, types of food that I can eat. That, that that's not going to go away. I still have to take medication for that. Um, I have some other issues that are not going away. Uh, but you know, by and large, um, I am so much healthier than I was eight years ago when I walked through the doors of OA. And um, and not only that, but I am so much more uh, whole as a person, spiritually, especially spiritually and physically. And so my life today is wonderful. And uh, as uh, Judy noted earlier, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I have a, uh, a, a useful, sane, uh, peaceful, joyous life. Um, and when I threaten, when the you know the difficulties that we all experience um, in life, because life is not perfect, it's just good. Um, that um, I, I remember that because when if I would I wouldn't trade that for anything. You know, to go back there is not even an option for me because this is what uh, God has given me today, and I appreciate it, and I use it to the to my only to my own benefit, to, but also to hopefully make someone else's life better. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Yes, this is Amy. Amy, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a compulsive reader from Maryland. I think it's very important that we, it's 
for me, this sentence, that God has wrought miracles among us, we should never belittle a good doctor or psychiatrist. These services are indispensable. Well, what does this big book start with? It starts with the doctor's opinion. I think it's very, very important that we understand that um, how we can, doctors and psychiatrists and, and these other services can come alongside and help. And I think it's very important, too, is that, you know, when people, a newcomer comes and is interested, you know, what do they do? They go on the Internet, or maybe they're going to call a doctor, or they're going to go see someone, and hopefully someone to be familiar. I mean, one of the main avenues of bringing people into our rooms is through doctors, psychiatrists, and other types of um, modalities in that area that are going to bring people to, the, to an OA meeting. And I think it's important that we have recovered, not never belittle, never belittle and say, okay, this is the only way, or you can only find treatment here in OA. There is absolutely, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm a sponsor. I carry a message of depth and weight about these 12 steps, as was said before, but I should never, ever belittle because I want doctors and psychiatrists to say to people that are suffering to say, you know what, you might want to go to Overeaters Anonymous. Why don't you go and find out about the 12 steps? I want to be able to go to my doctors now that I'm recovered as well and say to them, this is what this program has done for me. Here's a pamphlet. Please feel free to pass it on to other people. I want to be able to have a two-way street communication with those outside of Overeaters Anonymous that will help bring more people to the room so that we can carry the message that recovery has and the hope and the transformation both mentally and physically that we have. I want doctors to be able to say, you know what, I may not be able to handle this scenario for you, but here's an avenue that might work for you. Like they, like they talked about, Silkworth talked about in the beginning of the doctor's opinion. I want people to, I want doctors and psychiatrists, we should be wanting doctors and psychiatrists to be saying, here, go here. And if we belittle them or we say, oh, no, that's not going to work, stay and just go to OA meetings, that's not the way that we should be communicating back and forth with the outside. We should be able to say, here, we have a program that works for you. If you need a doctor psychiatrist, please feel free as a sponsor. I can't be your doctor. You know, I can't be your nutritionist or your dietitian. Those are professional resources that you need to go to to get the food down, for example. There are so many ways that we can use you know, um, doctors, psychiatrists, nutritionists, dietitians, or whatever to help us and assist us. But it's totally a two-way street. We have to be open in our communication, never be little, and always have them be able and open to have literature at their offices, pamphlets at their offices, whatever they need to help refer people to us as well. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amy. Would anyone else like to share on this particular paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Katie. Uh, Janice and then Katie. Good morning. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. Vision for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, but this does not mean we disregard human health measures. You know, and I I believe that this paragraph has such good information. And I'm and I'm going to piggyback on what Amy said in that when we who are recovered, go for those things that doctors may help us with, we give them a gift as well. I do believe that there are many fine doctors, psychologists, practitioners of various kinds who have watched compulsive overeaters, who have seen compulsive overeaters like us go down the tubes, 
and they knew there was something there. They might try their hardest. They might do everything they know how to do, but they are not another compulsive overeater like us. And sometimes that message is what brings someone to us. But those good doctors and psychologists and practitioners of various kinds need to see recovered people in order to believe that it's possible, in order to send people to us. And I have several in in my circle who were happy to get this information and then to follow those people afterwards to see that, that we could indeed recover and that we could stay recovered because isn't that what happened in AA? You know, people recovered, stayed recovered, and families were reunited, and how could that not be uplifting when they had seen so much sorrow and so much they could not do? And Bill W. himself had a long relationship with Carl Young, with good doctors, And Dr. Bob himself was a physician. So among them, they saw the good that could be done when things still needed help. AA and OA is not therapy. And sometimes those among us needed additional help. And we could find that help in the room of a good doctor or a psychiatrist or a psychologist who could see that there was something here worth looking at, something here worth following and something that could do what they could not do. And so we we must join in those places where we can carry the message and help them open the door to what good these doctors can do for us. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Katie, go ahead. Hi, I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater. But this does not mean that we disregard human health measures. Um, When I came in and got abstinent um, on October 7, 1987, I had been going to a therapist for about nine months. And I thought, you know, after a week or two of abstinence, you know, I didn't need her anymore and I could save some money and you know, so I presented this idea to my sponsor, and she, you know, chuckled a little, which I didn't appreciate, um, and said, well, you may want to, you know, stick with that for a little while longer. And, you know, I'm so grateful that she did, because it, the ride that I was on, I had never, I had never done before. I would never actually gotten to my goal weight. I had no idea that, um, you know, uh, maintaining a 70-pound weight loss and and being a size I'd never experienced before was going to be hard. I thought that life was going to be easy, that all my problems would be solved, and that, you know, it was going to be easy. So I needed that extra support for, you know, I can't remember how long I uh, stayed seeing her, but it was at least a year past, um, you know, my uh, abstinence. Now, that it was a miracle, the way I put down the food, the way the... Um, Obsession was re- removed immediately, but that didn't mean that I was uh, completely cured and um, and just knew how to handle life and my past and everything about it. And you know, it has been said we are not um, as sponsors, we are not psychologists, and we're not doctors. You know, you don't get absent and throw away your heart medicine. 
You don't throw away your insulin if you're a diabetic. I mean, we need these professionals. And, yes, it is great to go to my doctor year after year after year and be within the same weight range for, you know, 25 years. That's a miracle. Um, But I don't – it doesn't mean that I don't have health consequences as a result of the way I live. And some of those creep up years later. And you can think, how can this be? But unfortunately, we are human and we are frail. And uh, so we need to to get all the help we can. And none of them work on their own. I think that was the thing for me as I tried to go to church and tried to get absent just going to church. I tried just going to the therapist. That didn't work. None of those things worked on their own. But this program has... It does have all the answers for me, but I sometimes need outside help. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Leah. This is Judy. Leah and then Judy. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners of various kinds, do not hesitate to take your health problems to such persons. So, you know, the big book is definitely uh, giving permission and and guiding people to utilize uh, these specialty fields. I mean, just think about it. These men and women that pen these pages spent hundreds of hours uh, constructing the, this book and and spent a lifetime trying to carry the message in their neighborhoods, uh, on their in their cities, you know, on their street corners, are telling us, okay, as wonderful as this program of recovery is, and uh, there's no doubt about it, it does transform lives. It's 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 saying here, okay. But, you know, putting that aside, if you've got health, pers- health problems, utilize these uh, d- fine doctors, psychologists, and practitioners if you need them. We need to adhere to professionals. We need their expertise. Program of recovery is remarkable. There's no doubt about that. But there are certain issues, obviously, that it, <laughs> it, it, it uh, is not sufficient. You know, it's not sufficient. So it says, try to remember that though God has wrought miracles among us, we should never belittle a good doctor or psychiatrist. Uh, Their services are often indispensable in treating a newcomer and in following his case afterwards. So they're saying, you know, sometimes these uh, professionals are necessary. It's outside issues, yes, but, uh, but they're necessary. And, of course, as was previously mentioned, you know, the big book starts off and the whole program of recovery started off with a medical friend, you know, our medical saint, Dr. William Silkworth. He was a doctor, he was a neurologist, and he became an alcoholic uh, specialist. And he freely risked his professional reputation to champion this fledgling movement called Alcoholics Anonymous. And because there was um, this ability to build bridges. That's what happened. AA built a bridge with the medical society. They didn't build walls. They built they built bridges so that they could work together. And because there was that respect for one another and because there was that honor of these uh experts in their fields, uh you know, the medical field was able to support this AA movement. And if you 
ever care to, you might want to look in the back of your big book in the appendices uh, under the medical view on AA, and you'll see several psychiatrists writing about AA and the importance of AA. And that is because of this relationship that AA and medical society had. It was one of mutual respect. These, these psychiatrists and psychologists and practitioners saw recovered men and women. And they saw that it was because of the spiritual mode of living that that was possible. And as they treated their patients, they gained tremendous respect for Alcoholics Anonymous. And so the next time, uh, you know, someone came in with cirrhosis of the liver, not only did they know to treat their liver disease, but they also knew to uh, set up a folding chair in AA for their new patient. So it was, it was a, a relationship of mutual respect so the big book is making it very clear. If you need them, use them. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Judy, go ahead. Judy, can you press star one to unmute? Is there anyone? Oh, it's Judith? Yeah, thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, Judith. That's okay. Um, <clears throat> I wanted everyone to know that OA has a, a newsletter for physicians. Um, it's for the professional community. It's called The Courier. And it, and it comes out yearly now. I think it used to be quarterly, but like right now, the one for 2013 says, why should you refer a patient to OA? And uh, I remember in one of the past ones, there was a physician who had who was in OA. And one time there was a nurse who was in OA. So um, it's, um, it's an annual newsletter directed to hospitals, institutions, professionals, and the military. And you may order copies of the 2013 Courier for distribution in your area. Through the Courier, your intergroup carries OA's message to the, these institutions and professionals, making them aware of the existence of O-Readers Anonymous and of the recovery program it can offer to their clients, members, and patients. So I just, um, I'm glad that OA has read the big book and, and is reaching out. And um, I've always been sad that not many people know about it and, and take it to their physicians. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judith. Marsha, I am going to ask you to read the next two paragraphs, if you would, please. Christy, I'm sorry, I'm driving. Can can someone can Paula pick up and I'll get the last one? I am so sorry. Not a problem. Thank you, Marsha. Paula, would you be able to read those next two paragraphs for us? I would. Thanks, and Paula. This would be, you're very welcome. This would be Paula Recovered Compulsive Rita. One of the many doctors who had the opportunity of reading this book in manuscript form told us that the use of sweets was often helpful, of course, depending upon the doctor's advice. He thought all alcoholics should constantly have chocolate available for its quick energy value at times of fatigue. He added that occasionally in the night a vague craving arose which would be satisfied by candy. Many of us have noticed a tendency to eat sweets and have found the practice beneficial. 
and I will go on to the next paragraph, a word about sex relations. Alcohol is so sexually stimulating to some men that they have overindulged. Couples are occasionally dismayed to find that when drinking is stopped, the man tends to be impotent. Impotent. Unless the reason is understood, there may be emotional upset. Some of us have this experience only to enjoy in a few months a finer intimacy than ever. There should be no hesitancy in consulting a doctor or a psychologist if the condition persists. We do not know of many cases where this difficulty lasts long. Well, here we are to the chocolate and the sex. Okay, we're seeing here clearly this doctor was talking about alcoholism and not compulsive eating. And the advice he gave was to an alcoholic and not a compulsive eater. So I think that's very clear. He thought all alcoholics, and he tells his thinkings and why, and would be true perhaps for an alcoholic, but not a compulsive eater. Now it says here, and I'm going to go, and it talks about a word about sex relations, and this is to the family. All aspects of our life are involved here, and all our senses and all our instincts are involved here with this disease because we are who we are we are a whole but even here it says with the drinking there's many many things that have to come back again that have been destroyed and have to be built up and constructed again but again it comes to and i like this part here there should be no hesitancy again put your pride in your pocket take care of issues all issues in consulting a doctor or a psychologist if the conditions per- persist we do not know of many cases when where this difficulty lasted long. So there it is. We are recovered here. We put our pride in a pocket. We look for help. We seek out. We seek out and we continue to, no matter where, no matter where this disease has taken us. We are now in recovery and headed in a different direction. With the help, as was said in the beginning of the book, Dr. Silkworth, in the end of the book, many doctors, psychologists, neurologists, all there, all there. And I will like to just go back to God has abundantly supplied this world with fine doctors and psychologists and practitioners of various kinds. So the supply is there. Tap into it. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? Hi, this is Kim. Gary, may I share? Uh, you can. Let's see, I heard Kim, and then I'm sorry, what was your name? Jerry. Jerry, okay. Kim and then Jerry. Thanks, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. He thought all chocolates, all chocolates, he thought all alcoholics should constantly, constantly have chocolate available for his quick energy value at times of fatigue. Yippee! I mean, after all, I'm a student of the big book. I need to do what the big book is saying. But Paula pointed out, this is instructions for an alcoholic. So one of the things we've got to get honest with is, what is our alcohol? What is our alcohol? And if, if chocolate is part of our alcohol, we cannot have it. But what it's saying here is these alcoholics were deprived of nutritional value. Most of them were underweight and malnutritioned, and they were saying they needed energy. They needed energy, and they were suggesting chocolate. They weren't suggesting have a beer. They weren't suggesting have a shot of whiskey to get that energy back because that's their addiction. 
So we have to recognize what is our alcohol, and that's what we learn in the doctor's opinion. What is our alcohol? And then we must 100% abstain from that. And I know for myself, I, when I noticed, especially in the meetings for early recovery, I mean, we might as well hook up people to IVs with caffeine, with, uh, with coffee. I mean, we are just coffee, 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 coffee to fight off these, these uh, energy, quick energy value at times of fatigue. And I know for myself, too, I had to think, how am I going to distract myself? How am I going to distract myself from these cravings? It was so uncomfortable to be abstinent. And I have to say, most people in my family now have a crocheted blanket because that's what I did. When those cravings came, I started to crochet. I needed something to do with my hands so I wasn't reaching towards the counter, wasn't reaching towards the pantry, wasn't reaching towards the refrigerator. So what could I do that could distract me from those cravings in my early recovery? Because once you get abstinent, it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. And we have to run towards, leap towards those steps. But what can we do in those moments? What can we do in those moments when, we're, when we are fatigued? when we, we are uncomfortable. And I know for myself it was crocheting. Maybe for someone else it might be taking a walk with, with their dog or someone else it might be chewing gum or whatever that is that we need to do to distract ourselves. But we have to recognize this is directions for an alcoholic. And it just makes me chuckle. It just makes me chuckle because I have to, as a compulsive overeater, be honest. What is my alcohol? I have to find out those food ingredients that I have the phenomenon of craving with and then I have to abstain from them 100%. And if a doctor tells me I'm supposed to have a certain amount of starches and a certain amount of proteins, a certain amount of vegetables, a certain amount of fruits each day, absolutely. We go to these doctors, we take their advice. But I have to know as a compulsive overeater, those, that food plan cannot include my binge foods because I am a compulsive overeater. I have the allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. And I have to totally fully conceive to myself what that allergy is and never, ever, ever have those substances again. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Jerry, go ahead, please. Hi, this is Jerry. Can you go ahead? Yep, we can hear you just fine. (laughs) Um, I'm Jerry from... Houston, Jerry H., and I am a compulsive overeater. One of the things I heard yesterday on the after meeting was what you do uh, when you get that huge craving at night or during the day, and they were talking about having a plan. And what I've found that I've had to do with the big book, uh, I know um, Alcoholics Anonymous doesn't want us to change the names, but uh, when I privately read it, I change things to suit myself. And that one part of the big book, because I am addicted to chocolate, I have transferred in my mind as to what kind of a plan I could have. And I've shared that with my sponsor. Um, Their plan was when you crave, you put something in your mouth for chocolate, that kind of thing. My plan has to be pick up the phone, take a walk, take a hot bath, uh, write, uh, listen to a recorded um, meeting. Uh, I I had to make a list of things for me um, because until I have that personality change, I am going to crave. Uh, Maybe not 
you know, always, but there may come times, there are times when I do. And I need an alternative um, until I can get totally comfortable with my new life. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. Would anyone else like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Judith. Judith, go ahead. Judith, compulsive overeater. Um, the use of sweets is often helpful. Um, that also has made me laugh over the years. Um, but I've also eventually came to believe that, um, as we read every day on page 164, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. And um, I think God has disclosed to AA as well that for many of them, um, candy is really not the way to go because so many of them cross over and become um, food addicts or were compulsive overeaters way before they became alcoholics. And so there are many, many double winners in the rooms. And um, I think it's interesting that both alcohol and, and carbohydrates, if I've got this right, are made of um, CHNO, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, and they just have slightly different uh, rearrangements of the atoms that make them either alcohol or, or certain kinds of food. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judith. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, I mean, the, these two paragraphs especially, I mean, I would have, I, you know, out of the hundreds of pages in this big book and the thousands of paragraphs, I would have gotten stuck on this one, you know, the one, the chocolate one, chocolate and, and, and the sex one. You know, I mean, you know, I'm the type of person always looking for a loophole. I want an easy way out. I want the easier, softer way. You know, I want that one thing out of, you know, that one paragraph out of the thousands that's going to tell me it's okay. You know, it's okay. Christy, here's your way out. It, well, it says it right here in the big book. You know, it says a lot of things in the big book. <laughs> it says a lot of things in the big book. This is the, you know, you know, the two that I keyed in on was the cake at meetings and then this one, and, you know, that's, that's what Christy keyed in on. Now, what's important for me to recognize is that, you know, for me, seeking out the advice of a nutritionist, for example, you know, the first nutritionist I went to to review a food, a food plan for me said she thought it was a bad idea to give up sugar. You know, she thought it was a bad idea. And, you know, I told myself that for years, that it was a bad idea to give up sugar. And, you know, my best thinking had me weighing 340 pounds. So for a well-intentioned nutritionist to tell me, you know, Christy, I, I really think it's a bad idea. You know, if you give this up, you're going to crave it even more. And I, I just, you know, she said, how about a couple, you know, just like a couple of cookies a day. I said, I can't eat a couple of cookies a day. She said, well, how many can you eat? And I said, how many are there in the world? Because that's not enough for me. So, you know, that well-intentioned advice needed to be um, discussed with my sponsor so we could come up with a plan, you know, so we could come up with something that was going to, you know, really align with um, the 12 steps of recovery and the nature of my addiction. Um, you know, so that I, I couldn't just, I mean, I had to go against the advice of that well-intentioned nutritionist because eating sugar did not work for me. And I was very clear about that. I wasn't looking for a loophole. I was not looking for a loophole 
by the time I was done eating compulsively. I had had enough. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I didn't want to be sick and tired anymore. Um, you know, and the other part, too, that this, these two paragraphs address in that second paragraph, you know, this, this disease permeated every aspect of my life. You know, my most intimate, intimate relationships, it permeated every aspect of my life. You would have thought, you know, just weighing 340 pounds was it but it permeated every aspect of my life and every aspect of my life needed to be looked at. You know, I was no longer going to build walls around myself and, you know, tell my partner, you know, I am off limits. You know, that was not the way that my relationship with my partner needed to be. You know, I needed to look at every aspect of my life and say, okay, I need a new way of living today. I need to be in partnership with my partner. And that included every aspect of that relationship. And, uh, you know, I'm so grateful for that. I'm just so grateful for that and the gifts that recovery has given me. And with that, I will pass. And um, I would like to thank uh, everyone who has shared. Uh, we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Judy F., are you available to read a vision for you? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes, I can, Judy. Okay. Judy, go ahead. Great. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.